I'm Bishop Robert Gruss, the Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. In late May of 2015, the Diocese of Rapid City began an envisioning process meant to assist in clearly defining a course for ministry for the diocese for the next three to five years. The outcome of this process would help to strengthen and focus the resources of the diocese so that more effective ministry could be carried out in building up the church in western South Dakota. From this planning process came the Diocesan Priority Plan, outlining a carefully defined mission statement to serve as the foundation. It also produced a set of core values that guides how we conduct ourselves as a diocese, a five-year vision statement to direct our plans, three major priorities for the diocese with supporting goals, and goals for the foundational ministries of a church in western South Dakota. In July of 2016, I completed a pastoral letter through him, with him, and in him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan. This document clearly defines the priority plan. I have invited and encouraged everyone in the diocese to read and fully engage this pastoral plan so that, as our sacred mission states, each of us can do our part in attracting and forming intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ leading to eternal life. What you are about to hear is a reading from Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan, followed by a group discussion with a panel of lay men and women and me. Chapter 10, Forming Disciples. I begin with a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. And he gave some as apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelizers, others as pastors and teachers, to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the extent of the full stature of Christ, so that we may no longer be infants tossed by waves and swept along by every wind of teaching arising from human trickery, from their cunning and the interests of deceitful scheming. Rather, living the truth in love, we should grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, with the proper functioning of each part, brings about the body's growth and builds itself up in love. A question which is often on the minds of the bishop, priests, and many lay people is, will we have enough priests for the future? The answer to this question lies only in the mind of God. We believe that God will always provide for his church. But even without knowing the answer to that question, we cannot sit on the sidelines waiting for the question to be answered by the number of young men who come forward answering the Lord's call to a priestly vocation. One of the most demanding and important tasks for the future of the evangelization of humanity is the formation of future priests and attentiveness to their lifelong care for the personal sanctification in the ministry. The Church's work of formation is a continuation in time of Christ's own work. But the work of evangelization of humanity is not only the call of the clergy. All of the baptized are called into the work of evangelization. This work is the very meaning of discipleship. Each one of us, by virtue of our baptism, is called to live our faith and to bear witness to the gospel. The Church's deepest identity is evangelization. Evangelization is about bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to all who seek faith in his life-giving message. All of the baptized are called to evangelize by giving witness to faith, hope, and love 
in such a way that their example will transform the world in the love of Jesus Christ. This stems from the universal call to holiness. Each person who has been baptized into Christ's body is called to pursue holiness of life in and through a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It is through Him that we have been given the Spirit to lead and guide each of us in our call. St. John says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. In receiving the gift of the Spirit and answering the call into active service, the laity are united with Christ in fulfilling the mission of the Church. The mobilization of the whole Church, clergy and laypeople alike, is necessary for authentic renewal. The Fathers of the Second Vatican Council wrote, quote, it is not only through the sacraments and the ministries of the Church that the Holy Spirit sanctifies and leads the people of God and enriches it with virtues, but allotting His gifts to everyone according as He wills. He distributes special graces among the faithful of every rank. By these gifts He makes Him fit and ready to undertake the various tasks and offices which contribute toward the renewal and building up the Church, according to the words of the Apostle. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for profit. These charisms, whether they be the more outstanding or the more simple and widely diffused, are to be received with thanksgiving and consolation, for they are perfectly suited to and useful for the needs of the Church. End of quote. Many laymen and women have heard and answered the universal call to holiness in the ordinary circumstances of life, thereby contributing to the sanctification of the world from within, like leaven, in the spirit of the gospel by fulfilling their own particular duties. It is estimated that there are nearly one billion lay Catholics in the world. According to the Catherine of Siena Institute, only 2-3% to of lay Catholics have access to significant formation outside their local parish. But the local parish is seemingly the most natural and most accessible place for lay Catholics to be formed in the faith, where they can adequately be prepared to answer God's call. Lay Catholics must take it upon themselves to be formed in the faith. It is very important to note that parents are the primary educators and most responsible in raising their children in the faith. We cannot pass on the faith to others unless we have first come to understand it clearly, though not necessarily perfectly, ourselves. The Church has always been very clear that lay Catholics have a responsibility to form themselves. The decree on the apostolate of the laity states, Indeed, everyone should painstakingly ready himself personally for the apostolate, especially as an adult enabling each person to evaluate more accurately the talents with which God has enriched his soul and to exercise more effectively those charismatic gifts which the Holy Spirit has bestowed on him for the good of his brothers. While this is the case that lay Catholics are responsible for their own formation, it is also clear that the parish has the essential task of this personal formation of the lay faithful. The one and universal church is present in various parts of the world, in and through the particular churches. In each of them, the bishop in his person has a responsibility toward the lay faithful, informing the animation and guidance of their Christian life through the proclamation of the word and the celebration of the Eucharist and the sacraments. Situated and at work within the particular church or diocese, 
is the parish which has the essential task of a more personal and immediate formation of the lay faithful. In fact, because it is in the position to reach more easily individual persons in singular groups, the parish is called to instruct its members in hearing God's word, in liturgical and personal dialogue with God, in the life of fraternal charity, and in allowing a more direct and concrete perception of the sense of ecclesial communion and responsibility in the Church's mission. The desire of the Diocese of Rapid City is to fulfill the essential task of creating holier, healthy, evangelizing communities by forming the lay faithful, assisting them to become more intentional disciples of Jesus. This is why forming disciples is our second pastoral priority. As stated in the pastoral priority plan, quote, We are called to a deep union with Christ, a relationship of love. We will work together for formation in the human, spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral areas. This formation will empower us to grow as faithful stewards of God's gifts, living a Catholic way of life through hospitality, faith, and discipleship. End of quote. It is our hope that four areas of formation, human, spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral, which provide a framework for the formation of priests and deacons, will also provide the framework for laypeople. Formation in each of these areas lays a firm foundation for Catholics to grow in their union with Christ, while at the same time to grow in self-awareness, obtain adequate knowledge in theological and pastoral studies, and to develop the necessary skills to be able to carry on the work of Christ in the world, each in one's own way. In order to facilitate the outcome for the priority of forming disciples, parishes are asked to carefully assess their level of comprehensive stewardship, as determined by certain criteria that will be provided by the Office of Stewardship, and to find ways to increase the level of participation in formation events in their parishes. This opportunity is clearly expressed in the goals for this priority. 1. Increase by 5 to 10 the number of parishes who have met the criteria to be recognized as a stewardship parish by July 1, 2017. 2. Increase the participation rate in formation events, human, spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral, by at least 25% of average number of parishioners currently attending Mass in each parish or group of parishes by December 31, 2018. Formation in the Catholic way of life must be intentional and lifelong. We can never stop learning about our faith. There is always more to learn so that our relationship with Christ continues to grow. When we stop seeking knowledge about our faith, we stop growing in our faith. Quoting St. Anselm, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, Faith seeks understanding. Paragraph 158 goes on to say, quote, It is intrinsic to faith that a believer desires to know better the one in whom he has put his faith and to understand better what he has revealed. A more penetrating knowledge will in turn call forth a greater faith increasingly set afire by love. The grace of faith opens the eyes of your hearts to a lively understanding of the contents of revelation, that is, of the totality of God's plan and the mysteries of faith, of their connection with each other and with Christ, the center of the revealed mystery. The same Holy Spirit constantly perfects faith by his gifts, so that revelation may be more and more profoundly understood. In the words of St. Augustine, I believe in order to understand, and I understand 
the better to believe. End of quote. May we all embrace fully the life of Christ, the life Christ desires for us by seeking to learn all that the Lord wants to teach us so we can become the disciples he calls us to be. In doing so, we will live our true identity, thereby fulfilling the mission of the Church. Reflection Questions 1. How seriously do I take the universal call to holiness? 2. What gifts have I received from the Holy Spirit? 3. What opportunities for formation, human, spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral, are available to me? 4. Do I take seriously my responsibility to be formed in the faith, to form my family in the faith? 5. What is the role in the work of evangelization? Well, good afternoon, panel. I welcome you to our conversation today. It's just it's great to have you with us, and um, I'm looking forward to what you have to share regarding uh, forming disciples. And before we begin the conversation, I would invite you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are. Hi, I'm Benjamin Acosta. I am one of the focus missionaries that is currently up at Black Hills State University, serving up there. It's kind of our job is to go form disciples. Favorite color is blue. Fun fact about me. <laughs> I'm Deacon Greg Sass at Early at Black Hills in Piedmont, and I also work here in the Aston offices in uh, diaconate formation, lay ministry formation, and in the office of the permanent diaconate. I'm Susan Safford. I'm the director of pastoral ministries for the diocese and uh, also the director of faith formation. I uh, also direct the Veritatis Splendor Institute, and I'm a consecrated virgin from the Cathedral Parish. Great. Well, again, welcome to all of you. you know, before we get into our conversation, I just kind of want to refresh ourselves. So we're really talking about um, the three priorities, the diocesan pastoral priorities that came out of the priority plan, explicitly talked about in Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan. As we look at the priorities of the diocese, I mean, there's three of them, right? There's three, and the first one is reconciliation. The second one is forming disciples, and we'll be talking about that today. And then the third one that we'll be talking about in the next section will be funding the mission. And so when we think about forming disciples, you know, why is that important? Isn't it just good enough for people just to come, you know, get baptized and confirmed, to receive Holy Communion, go to confession now and then? And isn't that what the Lord requires of us? Well, certainly the, the Lord said when he, right before he ascended into heaven, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So it's his mandate, it's the mission of the church, so that we can bring as many people into that sacramental relationship as possible, to have a personal relationship with Christ, to grow in him, to come to know that's our whole purpose, our whole goal. And if we don't share that good news, who will? And if we love like Jesus asked us to love, we want to invite everybody to join us on this because we want everybody to get to heaven someday. And we can only do that if we go out and evangelize and make disciples of the world. The phrasing there was kind of funny that isn't it just good enough? I, that kind of resonates with me a little bit because I know Jesus isn't calling me to just be good enough. I mean, I know I could never be good enough to get to him on my own. It's all just free gift. And he's the one I love. I don't want to just hit the minimum requirement. I want to do everything I can for him. Well, plus isn't the phrase just good enough on whose standards is that based upon? It's usually on our own, right? <laughs> so we determine what's good enough. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't know that everyone understands, you know, you know, our average person who come to Mass on Sundays or on a regular basis or have a 
partially regular basis, whatever one's practice of their Catholic faith might be, if they truly understand that the whole mission of the church, you know, the very mission of the church is to um, evangelize and to go out and make disciples. You know, Susan, as you said, you know, Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven was he sent his apostles, his disciples out to go and make disciples of all people, of all nations. So it's not just, it's not just enough just to come to church to get the sacraments, to get something, to receive something. But it really is it's at the very heart of our baptismal call. You know, it goes all the way back to baptism. We've been given this mandate, this mission. We've been baptized into this mission to go out and help form disciples for the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Well, and like as a deacon, I, I get the opportunity at the end of Mass to really send people out, to go out on mission, and that mission starts right there out, you know, right outside the doors. That's where the mission territory is. And so often in my homilies, I talk about encouraging people to go out and share what they experienced and share what they had there received at Mass out to everybody they encounter, no matter where they're at, no matter what their status in life is. I think for me personally, the mandate to go and make disciples didn't really mean a whole lot until I really met Jesus Christ. You know, I went to church for years before I really knew this person who who wanted to show me his love and wanted to have a relationship with me. And so that, for me, in all the work that we do in terms of forming disciples, that the heart of it is this personal encounter with the one who wants to show love to me, the one who wants to give me love, the one who wants me to be with him, the one who wants union with me. And so it wasn't really until I until I had that experience that then then the mandate became important. Now it's, okay, I've had this encounter with Jesus. I've fallen in love with him. I know him. He fulfills my life. And now I want everyone to have that. And until you have that, you don't know why you, Why do I want to be evangelized? Why do I want to, to know about him? And why would I want to share him? So always for us, everywhere, everywhere we do formation of the diocese, is, it's the heart of it is helping people to come to know him in a deep and personal way. And that's the start. I think that's the seed. That, I think, is absolutely it. You hit the nail on the head because Jesus calls us all to go form or to go make disciples to form disciples and we can all make disciples of all nations but that starts with making ourselves disciples of jesus christ we're the first person that we can actually make a disciple of him ourselves so i think it's just so important to have that encounter and if we haven't to ask for it to ask jesus to help me be a disciple of him to help me follow him the same way that they would in the old testament you know disciples would follow the rabbi so close to them that the dust of the rabbi would be kicked up on him i want to be able to follow jesus like that and I think it's important to pray if you don't want that, to want to want that, which is essentially the same thing. <laughs> yeah, most people think it's the work of the priest to do that, isn't it? True? Right. Like it's the work of the priest. He was ordained to do this. And, and so when people, I, I mean, I ask this question oftentimes when I'm in a public setting talking about discipleship or evangelization. How, how many of you love the word evangelization? And of course, nobody raises their hand because it's like the most feared word, <laughs> I think, in the, in the Catholic vocabulary. And why is that? Why are people afraid of this word? Why are people afraid to evangelize? Where's the fear come from? Well, I think part of it is what Susan talked about is they may they probably have not had that personal encounter with Jesus. And so subsequently they're not confident in their abilities to actually share their faith because they're unsure of it themselves. And until they learn more about their faith, until they have that encounter, 
they don't know what to really go share. That makes them nervous. So they stand back, they kind of back up and don't go out and do those things. Yeah, until you have the relationship, it's just about facts. Like, here's these facts about the church, and then I think people feel like, well, I'm now I'm just imposing my views on people, or I'm imposing this thing. But when it's a relationship with a person, then it's, I want to introduce you to this person, and then it becomes easy, actually. Like, this is somebody I love and I know, and then that's a simple thing. But when it's sort of like, and I think people sort of have this image of the guy on the street corner with his sign that's like, <laughs> repent sinner or whatever you know and then I don't I don't want to do that because you know that's not really introducing someone to a person and so it's it's a lot harder when you think about I want to share these facts versus I want to share a person well I just had this conversation a couple weeks ago with a fellow parishioner that was struggling how to talk to this individual and I said just talk to him ask him what's their view of God or just get the conversation started and ask them questions because until you know where they're at you don't even know where to begin and so by them just asking them questions at some point they're going to turn around and go well why do you believe or why do you think this or why does the church teach this and until they start asking the questions we just have to be there listening meeting them where they're at like paul does mm -hmm. well ben you do this every day right as a focus missionary try to i mean you go out and kind of herd your little sheep together you know all the students <laughs> at the it's a school of mines, right? Oh, I'm up at Black Hills. Oh, State. Black Hills. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, to, to bring them together, yeah. to try them, to draw them deeper into this relationship. Absolutely. With the Lord. Um, yeah, and I think that's ultimately the goal. Like what you're saying um, about listening to the person, that's so, so crucial in winning a person over to Christ. I mean, part of the focus mission is we kind of see it three stages. We have win. We have build and we have send. So in the winning stage, we're just trying to win them over, not because of an agenda. Oftentimes, I think what you're just talking about, it's, it's the job or people don't want to do it. It's because I think we perceive that we're trying to take something from another person. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to take your time and I kind of just flinch at that interiorly because why would I want to take something from another person? It's just kind of awkward. But the shift comes when we know Jesus Christ personally and we recognize I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm trying to give you everything. Jesus Christ promises a life and a life in abundance. He promises a joy that is complete, a peace that the world can't give. The moment I have that understanding that I'm trying to give you all of these things, it suddenly becomes easy to share the gospel of life in this culture of death. And I think that's just one of the, the key components is we need to be able to listen to where people are, as Pope Francis was talking about, the analogy of the field hospital that the church is kind of bleeding out, and Jesus invites us to go touch his wounds. And I think on the college campus particularly, there's so much woundedness that Jesus is just saying, put your hand into my side, put your finger into the hole of my hand. Just listen. All you really need to do at that point is listen to the person, understand where they're coming from, and try to impart the life of Christ little by little in conversations. It's honestly just the wasted time with the person that wins the person over. I agree with all that, but what do you say to the person who says, you know, I have, a, I have a deep love and relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, my problem is, I'm not sure how to share that. Hmm. My relationship comes in and through my own prayer and in through the teachings of the church, but I don't know how to share that. I remember when I went through this conversion process years ago, back in my 20s, and all of a sudden I rediscovered this new, whole new relationship with the Lord. It came through my daily seeking Him in prayer, and so that's fine. So then I have my relationship with the Lord and we have the church. And we have all the teachings of the church. 
So how do those connect? I can tell you how I love the Lord all day long, but can people say, you know, share with, with someone else what the Mass is all about, what confession is really all about, what the church teaches in regards to some of the, the moral issues of today? I mean, because that's part of being a disciple is going out and sharing what, what our beautiful faith teaches us beyond just what my relationship with Jesus is about. How do we meet, move people from being, you know, having this great relationship with the Lord, because I know many people do, to really coming to understand the faith more deeply to a point where they can actually help form disciples, you know, in the faith in which we all believe. Yeah, I get that a lot, actually, from people who come to the Veritatis Wander Institute. They, this is the kind of thing that they say, like, I have, I have this relationship with Jesus, I want to know more, or I have people in my family or friends who are asking me questions that I can't answer about the faith. You know, I don't know the answers to these, and that's why I'm coming here. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for learning more about the faith and understanding it more deeply if we just reach out to experience those things. I think a fascinating thing that happened with the, the VSI is that I had people who were coming to learn more about the faith, and then what their witness was at the end of it was, I never expected to grow so much in my relationship with Jesus. I never expected to fall in love with him. And I think those two things go hand in hand, but I do have to, I do have to stretch and find like, what are the opportunities in my parish to learn more, to come together with a group of people who, who love the Lord and share my faith with them. I think there has to be a beginning to that. For myself personally, that's, that's how it happened. Once I encountered the Lord, I started just seeking out how can I know more about him? How can I find out more? How can I, how can I learn how to pray better? Which I was always seeking to, to grow in prayer also. Well, and, and that's where like the lay ministry program, which I think is a good complement to the VSI, is that in these small groups you learn because you kind of have to share your faith. What do you mean I got to talk about my faith? That was kind of the first thing when I first started lay ministry. I'm not so sure what I think about my faith or what I believe. And so it was through that program, because we studied scripture, we had some catechesis. Uh, and so those con that combination put me in a safe environment where there was a small group. Susan had me in the same class as I at that time. And so we got that opportunity to share our faith with that small group that was all probably struggling to some degree in that same area. And we could share and learn. And once we could do that, then we were able to go out and share with people we just met or other or family or friends and that so I think those you know we have a lot of opportunities like you said within the diocese to learn those types of things I mean there's like Christ Lake that are at Piedmont there's uh, Alpha here at uh, Cathedral so there's those opportunities to learn how to share your faith and you do it in those safe environments so then you can go out and share with others. I'm assuming that's kind of like focus, probably has some of that similar type of training. Absolutely, and that kind of falls under the human, uh, intellectual, spiritual, and pastoral formation that you're speaking about. The word, as we're sp talking right now, that comes to my mind is incarnational. And I think that is the fundamental component to all of these stages of winning people over for Christ, that encounter, building them up in the faith in all of those areas, and then sending them out on mission. Jesus, when he was forming his disciples, he did it incarnationally, taking on the flesh of them. The word in the Greek, from what I've heard, is that Jesus came and he pitched his tent among us, that he came, the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us, pitched his tent among us. And that's what he did with the apostles. He went camping 
for many years with them, essentially. <laughs> and he walked from place to place. And as he walked from place to place, I would imagine he was just having conversation with them on the road, or they would ask questions and he would answer them. But everything that they learned wasn't from necessarily a program. Programs are great, but it was because of the person that they were with the entire time. So accompaniment, I think, is the building up. Because people don't necessarily just want to go to RCA on their own. If they're going to RCA on it, it's most likely because of an invitation, unless you know, you're a child, and then it's kind of a mandate from your parents. But even then, it's still the person accompanying with you. It's your parent. Somebody is there with you, walking alongside. Those relationships are so key, I think. You know, that's come up several times in our conversation, just having a relationship with the person and a relationship with Christ, and bringing those relationships together, in a sense. And I think that there are so many, um, you mentioned human, spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral formation. You know, there's so many people think about formation as just being intellectual, to just learn more. And these other pieces are so important to grow in my life of prayer, my spiritual life, to grow in my ability to to share with people, to encounter people, to to talk to people in a way that isn't weird, right? (laughs) To be able to, those human and pastoral aspects of, of my formation are, are essential as in addition to, to knowing more about my faith. Well, and I think a lot of people in our society now want it instantaneously to get it, you know, I want to tomorrow, I want to walk up and I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It takes time to build those relationships, to learn how to communicate with each other and how to share Jesus. And so sometimes, you know, VSI is three years, lay ministry is three years. I don't know how long your formation for uh, focus is, but it takes some time to get to that point. And we can't expect that, oh, tomorrow I'm going to change and tomorrow I'm going to be a disciple and I'm going to build out and, and go evangelize the world. It takes time for us to change because we have all those components that we need to be addressed and integrated. Well, plus I think faith is formed in community. Because what's the community is the body of Christ. I mean, it's no accident that you know the the program for priestly formation, the whole program to train move seminarians to the priesthood, includes all of these four components: intellectual, uh, spiritual, human, and pastoral. And so that's all part of the program. So then they're sent out as as ordained priests, as disciples, as ordained disciples to go out and form others. Why would that be any different than? Than, than anyone else. Why, why would anyone else's formation look differently, really? It's forming the whole person. That's what it's about. It's forming the whole person so they can be the disciple whom Jesus is calling them to be. Yeah, because that's the same thing that we do with deacon formation, but I think it's what Susan and I do with VSI and lay ministries. We try to cover all those aspects to some degree so that they can go out and be disciples. I remember years ago, like my, wasn't some dramatic conversion moment in my life. I mean, some out of this world experience <laughs> at all. But I remember it came through an invitation and a, a woman called me up. I was in my 20s, late 20s probably. And she invited me to become part of a Bible study. I was in the parish, they were starting this Bible study. And, you know, my first response was, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really not interested. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to say I had to tell her, I said, I don't even own a Bible, I don't think. And, uh, but that was back in the, you know, that was back in the, in the 80s, I think it was in, in 1980, so many, many years ago. But she said, well, don't say no you know, to me now. She said, you know, just think about it and pray about it. And then if you need a Bible, we'll be happy to provide that for you. You know, you don't need to have that, uh, but we just want you to come. And so then she just let it go. And so somehow in the, in the God's grace, I, find, I found myself at this Bible study. 
and um, it changed my whole life. I mean, that really was foundational, I think, for my road, my journey to the priesthood. And, and I think one of the reasons why, one is because of the invitation. The Lord always speaks to others when he invites us into something that perhaps that we don't really want to do. I told her, no, this is not my thing. But somehow I found myself there. So it's so it really recognizing that this, perhaps this invitation to be a part of something that you don't really want to be a part of is an invitation from the Lord because the Lord speaks through. This is this incarnational experience that you were talking about, Ben. The thing that provided me the most was, why didn't I want to go? Because they were going to talk about the Bible, which I knew nothing about. So I was, it was a fear thing. I was afraid. But I found myself there, and the thing that I benefited from the most was being with other disciples along the way, knowing that I didn't have to know anything. But it was a, it's a place to really become in communion with, with other people seeking the Lord. And it was from that communion with others seeking the Lord that the Lord began to work on my own heart in, in ways that I can't possibly um, describe. But we, we say no to a lot of things. You know, people say no to get involved in parish programs. Why? Oftentimes it's out of fear, their own fears, right? Mm -hmm. Or they say they don't have time or they don't really know what the benefit might be. But when you think of all these programs like Alpha and your programs, you know, with the focus, mm -hmm. it's done in community, Bible studies done in community. Absolutely. It's the body of Christ, the broken body of Christ coming together to learn more about the head of the body, mm -hmm. right? And so, so then, so the body can become more what the head desires us to be. Well, your experience with the Bible study was kind of mine with lay ministry. I wasn't going to go to it, and finally I went, and then it was through that where I had all these reasons I wasn't going to go, and every single one got addressed. That only could have been the Holy Spirit inspired for them to go down the same list that I had in my head on why to do it, which ultimately led me to the diaconate. I think too people tend to again think in our culture we sort of hold up knowledge and, and the intellectual side of things as the highest good or something like that and to see like in both of your stories it was about the human and the pastoral more than it was about the intellectual and so I think people are a little afraid of that too you know this is going to be too much head knowledge for me. I, I don't know that. I can't enter into that. But the faith isn't a subject. It's about a person again. And it's about, it's more about introducing someone to somebody at a party than it is about studying something at a desk. And so I think to in the ways that we think about that as we get to know Jesus and as we so we fall in love with him and then we want others to know that it is more about this communal experience than it is with the Lord, of course, um, than it is about facts and figures, which I think is kind of what scares people away a lot of times. And that's the way it's been since the very beginning, all the way back to Adam and Eve in that community of persons that they were called to be, all the way up to the first Christians in Acts 2.42 when they gathered together for the breaking of the bread, for the fellowship, for the prayers and the apostles' teaching as well. And it's the small community of the Christian church. This is where this is where it happens. And you can see that first and foremost in the domestic church and the family, the first place where we're called to make disciples. But then you also see it in the community of believers, in the parish, in your alpha small group, in your Bible study group, which is called to model after not, not just an hour a week, but to actually live life together. And I think that's one of the reasons why people get so afraid of these invitations. One thing that really struck me about the invitation in your story, Bishop, was... Uh, the freedom in it, that it wasn't a forced thing. It was just very free and very open, which I thought was beautiful because 
the Lord always respects our freedom. So Christians, we need to respect the freedom of other people as well. And it's remarkable how the Lord wants to use us for each other. I mean, use us, that's not maybe the right word, but how he wants to work in and through us to bring us together and to bring us close to him. And that's all part of his big plan for us is that I'm a part of his work of evangelization. I'm a part of, of this work of redemption ultimately because I'm bringing people closer to him. I really appreciate it, too, that you brought up the domestic church or the family. I was thinking about that, especially in regard to, you know, parents get so scared about, I don't know enough about my faith to teach my kids. I hear that a lot. Like, I don't, I'm, that's why I'm sending them to you at the church, because I don't know. And But when you think about it in this broader context of human, spiritual, intellectual, pastoral, and the context of relationship, well, that is, isn't that the first place that children are formed, to be to be good human beings, to be virtuous people, to pray, you know, just the simple prayers. I think it's simpler than we think it is, in a sense. And the family is the starting place of all of that formation. Well, and that's why, like in our parish, we're doing formation of parents who we ask to teach, for, prepare their children for first confession and first communion. We're actually meeting with parents and forming them on this journey too, in order to help them first, probably to learn some things that they might not know, but to help prepare them to pass on the faith, which they agreed to do at the baptism. You know, one of the things, I, as you talk about that, I would think, you know, the, the parents are supposed to be the, the first and foremost formators of their children in the faith. Imagine if every parent took that seriously. We wouldn't have to have religious ed, would we? No, we wouldn't, because because people would have taken their faith serious. You know, the statistically show there's, you know, 7 to 8% of um, people in parishes are intentional disciples, only 7 to 8%. You know, imagine if that was like 50 or 60. You know, parishes would be alive far more than they are today. I mean, we have parishes that are alive, but just imagine what the possibilities could be, what the Lord would do, not only within the parish, but within the whole diocese. It would be amazing. You know, we're almost out of time. Um, we just have a few minutes left. So I know the time goes very quickly yeah. and there's so much more to say, but um, I just in, invite each of you to give you any, any closing thoughts. The, the last thought I had on all of this, forming disciples, we talked about how it involves the incarnation. And for me, I think that always involves the divine interruption in recognizing that if there is going to be an incarnation, if we are going to evangelize incarnationally, then there's going to be an interruption. God broke through time and space and disrupted everything. Everyone was going about their jobs and he broke through. When he was evangelizing Peter, he, Peter was just fishing in his boat, taking a break, a well-deserved break, I would imagine, after a long night of fishing. But Jesus didn't give him the rest that he thought he needed. Instead, he interrupted him and said, let me get on your boat and put out. It always involves an interruption, which means when we're being, when we're forming disciples, we just need to be aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit and let him interrupt our day, interrupt our schedule for the sake of the other. If we take the time to recognize how much God loves us, we mm. can't do anything but go out and love others. And by loving others, we invite him into the relationship with Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, again, the heart of it is that relationship with Jesus. That's what changed things for me in my life was falling in love with Jesus Christ and getting to know him through prayer in a personal way. I was blessed to have people along the way teaching me how to pray, how to grow in prayer. And that's, that's what motivates me is that love I have for Jesus Christ. I want everyone to know that love. 
And it's through that love for Jesus Christ that Jesus himself forms us as an individual. Not only, you know, in a, into a deeper life in him, but he forms us to be disciples and not, and not to live in the fear of going out and evangelizing and sharing our own love for the Lord, but also sharing the teachings of the church. The more we love the Lord, the more we desire to know what the church teaches about all different sorts of things. And the, the more comfortable we become in sharing this beautiful Catholic faith that we have. But we have to desire it. I mean, in the end, Jesus can't force us to be his disciples. We have to desire to be his disciple. And really, the role of disciple is, is to go out and help sanctify the world from within and be like this leaven in the world and in the spirit of the gospel. But that cannot happen unless it first takes place within our own hearts. Um, so we should be praying daily for the grace that the Lord will lead us to a deeper life in him as his disciples. As you quote uh, Augustine, I believe in order to understand, and I understand the better to believe. Well, panel, thank you for being with us, Ben and Susan and Deacon Greg. It's been a, a pleasure, and thank you for sharing uh, your faith with not only with me today, but uh, with the audience who will, whoever will listen to this. But let us let us close now in a prayer. Glory be to the Father and, and to, to the, the Son and, and to, to the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go now in the peace of Christ. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.